Thank you for joining us as we walk with God. This is Brenda McCord. Walt and I are thankful for this opportunity to participate with the Awakening in America, an outreach of the Himmelreich Memorial Christian Library. We are glad you've joined us today. But before we begin, Walt and I would like to invite you to join us for an upcoming trip to Israel. The dates are October 17th to the 28th, and check out the website. It's posted below in our show notes. There is still space available, but you do need to register by June 20th. We'd love to have you join us in Israel. And that's Israel in the fall, which is great. Um, The clothing decision is you got to wear layers, but also the temperature is, is cooler and delightful. But because you're in a desert region, you'll need to drink water. And speaking of water, Brenda. Yeah, it's part of our everyday life, and it is our theme, living water. God moved the waters of the expanse, and he separated the dry land and the waters. Elohim put the seas in their place. And today, we're going to turn in our Bibles to Genesis chapters 6 and 7. You know, much has happened since the creation event that we studied last week in Genesis 1. Looking at Genesis 6, beginning in verse 5, the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every intention of the thoughts of his heart was evil continually. There was wickedness of man. The thoughts of his hearts were only evil. In such a short period of time, the sin of man had dominated all of their actions. Wickedness had penetrated deep into their hearts. And then in verse 6, the Lord regretted that he had made man on the earth, and it grieved him to his heart. You know, as I've considered these verses more closely and just looked at them, I was drawn to the Lord's response to the wickedness and the sin of people on this earth. The Lord regretted that he had made man, and it grieved him to his heart. That caught me up short, (laughs) and I took some time to consider And ponder, Lord, how does my sin affect you? When I turn away from the Lord, when I choose to disobey his commands, his heart is grieved by my sin, by your sin. Continuing on in Genesis 6, the Lord decided to take action. He said, I will blot out man whom I've created from the face of the land man and animals and creeping things and birds of the heaven, for I am sorry that I've made them. You know, (laughs) I've been studying, hearing about this story in Sunday school ever since I was a young girl. We'd have the boat, we'd put the animals there. I know this story. But as I studied this time, I've been caught by God's response to the wickedness of man on the earth he had created. He saw that it was good back in Genesis 1. And now God says, I am sorry that I have made them. However, God looked down on the earth. And now in Genesis 6 verse 8, we read, but Noah 
found favor in the eyes of the Lord. And that contrastive word right there. But what a, what was so different about Noah? I mean, we should note that, that he's living there in this generation. Everyone around him is like this. But Noah, he, this verse states that there's a difference, a great difference between Noah and the other men of the earth. God looks at them and sees the wickedness of man, and it's great. And every intention of the thoughts of their heart, they're, they're continually thinking about evil, choosing to do evil, thinking about that all the time. And there's such a striking difference between these wicked men and these wicked women and the difference between a man or a woman who's walking well with God. And so we should ask, even as we look into these next verses, we just said, what set Noah apart? What could set us apart? Continuing in Genesis 6, verses 9 and 10, these are the generations of Noah. Noah was a righteous man. He was blameless in his generation, and Noah walked with God. And then it goes on, and Noah had three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. And and even as I'm reading through that and we were talking about what set him apart, what was so different, it reminded me of the prophet Micah in chapter 6, verse 8, when he's saying, this is what God really wants. Okay, take note. What is it that God really wants? Micah 6, 8, he has told you, O man, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you? Listen up. But that you do justice and that you love kindness, that you love God's covenant-keeping kindness, his hesed, and that you walk humbly with your God. This idea of Noah being righteous, it's the Hebrew word siddiq, um, this idea that he was in right standing with God, and, and that he looked at God's standard and said, that's how I want to be, that he was blameless, that he was free from guilt. Now, that doesn't mean that he was sinless, but it means that when he would sin, he would go to God and he would get right. That is so different in his generation. And he, he acted in accordance with God's divine law, which allowed him to have an intimate relationship with God. Noah walked with God. That's an intimate relationship. And even as I say that whole walked with God and what that looks like and, and that, that with God and Noah, I, I'm reminded, um, my head to heart here is, is in my marriage. Um, my wife, quality time, speaks love into Brenda's, into Brenda's life, into her heart. And when we take walks together, when, when we pray together as we walk, that conveys love to Brenda. Now, now, don't get me wrong. She enjoys a good gift and also words of appreciation as well. But if I really want to love her well, I walk with her. I listen to her. I pray with her. And that's what Noah did with God. He, he walked with God. He listened to God. He prayed to God. And that begs the question, do you spend this kind of time with your Heavenly Father? And also, do you spend this kind of time with people who are important in your life, with your best friend, with your family members? Is that kind of the relationship that you want with both God and with others that are close to you? And that whole idea 
that we walk with God, as you were just talking right now, while that came into my mind, that's what Adam and Eve had with God in the garden back in Genesis 2. He, right. he came to find them in the cool of the evening. Why? To walk with them in the garden and to have fellowship and communion with them. Uh, so we see that it, that continues, and I I really appreciate hearing God's word that we're told Noah walked with God, and we're going to continue now into verse nine with that whole idea that you repeated before. Noah was a righteous man, blameless. His life is a sharp contrast to all others around him, so much so. Here's the sad part, right? This should hurt our hearts. God regretted having created mankind. Wicked men dominated the earth, but there was Noah. He chose to live according to God's way, and God had a plan. And so now let's look at verses 12 to 16. God saw the earth and behold, It was corrupt, for all flesh had corrupted their way on the earth. And God said to Noah, I've determined to make an end of all flesh, for the earth is filled with violence through them. Behold, I will destroy them with the earth. You know, God revealed his plan of escape to Noah in verse 14. Make yourself an ark of gopher wood. And then God gives his divine architectural plan for this massive ark and all of the details for its construction. God saw the earth. It was corrupt. This is God's assessment. And he is the righteous judge. He has righteous judgment. I have determined to make an end of all flesh. God said, I will destroy them. And then in verse 17, for behold, I will bring a flood of waters upon the earth to destroy all flesh in which is the breath of life under heaven. Everything that is on the earth shall die. God's divine judgment on the wicked. He uses water and it's a flood of waters yet. God has a redemptive plan for Noah and his family. Why? Because Noah found favor in God's eyes. Noah was a righteous man. Noah walked with God and God said, build an ark. And Noah's faith and then his obedience to do God's will provided a way of escape. And you know, Brenda, that obedience, even in the midst of that, God's now going to introduce an important biblical theological concept that's introduced right here in Genesis 6. This is the first time we see it in verse 18. It says this, but I will establish my covenant with you, and you shall come into the ark, you and your sons and your wife and your sons' wives with you, and every living thing of all flesh you shall bring two of every sword into the ark to keep them alive with you. This concept is the, is is the word of covenant. I will establish my covenant with you. And this is such an important concept. The word berit in the Hebrew literally means a formal promise or promises made by one who has authority. 
You know, this can be between God and man here, um, but in Genesis 26, we'll see a covenant that's made between men. But it, but it's an important, it's not just a promise. The, it's a series of promises that then is set apart with some other um, uh, other conditions or other things that happen. And there's two different main kinds of covenants. One is conditional. Um, the conditional covenant says, if you do this, then I'll do this. So it's based on whether or not the, the other party then acts and, and enables that covenant. But then there's unconditional. That's where one party says, I'm going to do this. It's kind of a little more formal than a vow or a promise. There's a, a difference between unilateral and bilateral. Unilateral, one party just makes it and says they're going to do it. Bilateral, both parties participate. And then some covenants have a sign. Uh, that's true here. The, the sign here is a rainbow. Uh, later on for the Abrahamic covenant, we're going to see the sign there is that there needs to be circumcision for the male participants in that covenant. And, and then also there's sacrifice. There's not an overt sacrifice but that the covenant makers participate in here, but there's kind of behind the scenes there's going to be destruction, and, and that is, is important because God sets these terms. And if you'd like to look into more information, there's a, a 360-page book called Thy Kingdom Come. It's by Dr. J. Dwight Pentecost. And in that book, he traces God's kingdom program and his covenant promises through history. But this connection, this covenant connection between God's grace and his loving kindness and the promises that he makes, because he is a loyal and loving God and he's merciful, God makes promises. And because of that, God is a covenant-keeping God who shows and displays his love. And it's important for us to remember that God will keep every promise and God will fulfill every covenant that he ever makes. And we could go on and on about this, but I want to bring this back to an application again, moving this truth from my head to my heart. When I do that, I ask myself this question, and I I would challenge you to do the same. Am I a covenant, a promise-keeping man? Are you a promise-keeping woman? You know, when I make a commitment, can others count on it. That's at the core of covenant. And what we need to realize here, that when God makes these promises, and he declares these vows, and he doesn't, he says, I'm going to bring this apart, and it doesn't matter whether you do it. Now, now Noah's going to have to participate. He's going to have to believe God, and in faith, build this ark to, to accept the, the conditions of this covenant. But God says, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. Noah, what are you going to do? And God determined to make an end, and he then spoke this covenant with um, Noah and said, this is what's going to happen, right? I'll establish my covenant with you, and you will come into the ark. And so, yes, it was then Noah's choice, right? Will he obey? Will he do what God's told him to do? And God is saying, I will bring an end to this earth because of the wickedness, because of the evil in their hearts. It has gone through all of creation. We we talked about that a little bit as we were preparing our lesson for today. God said to Noah, make yourself an ark. And I love this summary. In Genesis 6.22, Noah did this. He did all that God commanded him. Yeah, do you see that obedience? He did it all. 
And then we move into Genesis 7, verse 1. The Lord said to Noah, so all all the work has been done. Lots of years, right? No, lots of years. <laughs> a lot of years of hard work, a lot of mocking from the wicked and evil around him. But now, Genesis 7, go into the ark, Noah, you and all your household, for I have seen that you are righteous before me in this generation. And then continuing in verse 4, for in seven days, I will send rain on the earth for 40 days and 40 nights. And every living thing that I have made, I will blot out from the face of the earth In verse 5, and Noah did all that the Lord had commanded him. So we go back, we look at Genesis 6, 22. Noah did all God commanded him to do. And then we come into chapter 7, and now again, God says, I've seen you are righteous. Noah, go into the ark, take your family. And then this statement again in verse 5, Genesis 7 Noah did all, all that the Lord had commanded him. You know, Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. He was obedient, and he did all that God asked him to do. And this man, he was obedient for well over a 100 years. I mean, he was righteous before this time, and then he's working on this ark. And and you know that these wicked people are mocking him. You know that in the midst of this, what are you talking about? What's going to happen? You know, I love that Noah is remembered in the New Testament. And we fast forward to the book of Hebrews chapter 11, that great hall of faith. Sometimes I call it the hall of flawed faith because everyone in there still had their issues. But they operated in faith. And it says this in Hebrews eleven seven. It says, by faith, Noah, being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen, things that had never happened, there had never been a flood. In reverent fear, he constructed an ark for the saving of his household, and thus Noah became an heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. What a great model, and what a great challenge and encouragement for us. Well, as we come to the end of our podcast, I'd like to close in prayer, even just wrapping this up. So would you pray with me? Father God, I thank you for the example of Noah and his righteousness, his life, and his obedience to you, Lord. And Lord, I thank you that that when you assess him, you say that he had reverential fear, and this led to obedience. Lord, I pray the same thing for us. I pray that we would have that reverential fear, that awe, that you are an awesome God. And Lord, I pray that we would have the faith believing that in your covenant-keeping mercy, you make promises and we can cling to that, including the greatest of promises, that if we place our faith in you, you will forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all of our unrighteousness. And like Noah, we can be declared righteous, a righteousness that comes by faith. Lord, would you help us to follow that wonderful example of Noah? And Lord, would you help us as each day we desire to walk with God. I pray in Christ's name, amen. Thank you for joining us as we walk with God. This is Brenda McCord. Walt and I are thankful for this opportunity to participate with the Awakening in America, an outreach of the Himmelreich Memorial Christian Library.